like Alejandro Ocasio-Cortez has come under attack from members of her own party, specifically Ilhan Omar. To be fair, Miss Omar isn't criticizing just the uh, notable AOC. She's also criticizing all other members of Congress who have prioritized themselves to the detriment of our frontline workers and other uh, people who are in at-risk populations with respect to getting the new COVID-19 vaccine. Hi, everyone. I'm Jamie Dury, and welcome to another National Preview Online podcast. If you have not already done so, please subscribe to the show. You can do so by going to either the iTunes App Store or the Google Play Store. Simply search for NP Online and subscribe that way. If for any reason you do not wish to subscribe that way or you're having difficulty, you can also, in the same two places, download the free Podbean app. Podbean.com is our hosting service that myself and other podcasters use. You can subscribe that way, write reviews there, leave comments, just as you can in the iTunes app store. And speaking of reviews and comments, we would greatly appreciate it if you would give the podcast a review and some positive comments, because the more comments we get, the more reviews we get, the more easily the podcast is discovered when people go to places like the iTunes App Store or the Google Play Store and are searching for uh, new content, things like you know, conservative news commentary or just news commentary, will come up uh, more frequently in the results and so far will we'll grow that much quicker. So, so Ilhan Omar has criticized all of the members of Congress. So it's nice to see, uh, I'm going to give her an attaboy on that one, uh, because it's quite frankly not something I would expect. Most of these people are just lunatics. I'm not saying she isn't a lunatic, but as I'm always fond of saying, even a broken clock is right twice a day, we just never know when. And in the case of a clock that works on military time, it's only right one time a day. And this is that one time a day. Ilan Omar is quite correct. I haven't seen a single politician die from this thing. Uh, I never see them wear masks unless a camera's on them. And so it's about time that someone put them on Front Street and said, hey, you're not that important. You really aren't. You should just take a back seat, let the elderly people get it, let the frontline workers get it, let our first responders get it, people who have to be out and about, and the rest of us will take a back seat. In fact, I read something in one of the papers that they were saying that they weren't going to give it to elderly people, putting them on the back seat, saying, you know, it was like wasted, wasted giving it to them because they're, they're so compromised and at risk from so many things that we may be giving a vaccine to someone who's going to die from something else. Talk about a little uh, biological engineering. Does that have a certain overtone for you? Selective reductions? If anybody deserves it, it's the elderly. We lost 40% of our elderly population through COVID just because idiot governors in five states decided to infect nursing homes by putting COVID-19 positive patients there. So maybe we should do the elderly a solid, let them get the vaccine right after we inoculate our first responders and healthcare workers. In other news, Lindsey Graham has resurfaced. I was wondering what happened to him. I hadn't heard much from him since he said that he was donating $500,000 from his campaign fund to Donald Trump's fight to keep the presidency, his challenge to the election. 
And right now, the subject of his ire is both Hunter Biden and Bill Barr. Mr. Graham commenting on Barr's statement that he wasn't going to appoint a special prosecutor uh, to look into Hunter Biden. So with all due respect to Attorney General Barr, my concern is the scope of the Delaware investigation is limited to tax fraud and will not be a thorough review of Hunter Biden's extensive business dealings with foreign nations. Senate Judiciary Chairman Lindsey Graham said in response, the question for the country is to what extent did Hunter Biden and his family have problematic business dealings with China, Russia, and other nations, which could impact the Biden administration's foreign policy. And he continued, some investigative body needs to take a broader view beyond the tax issue. I think that's true. I think that a, a special counsel, you know, given the level of corruption that we've seen from the Biden family, and they're not in any way dissuaded uh, by shame or anything like that. I mean, I've said it before. Hunter Biden, he, he, he stooped his dead brother's wife. He had an affair with a stripper. I mean, this guy, he's a sleaze. There's allegations of him with having relations with underage girls. I mean, there's, there's no level to which these people won't stoop. And I, I can't help but believe that if the local U.S. attorney investigates uh, Hunter Biden, he will be replaced as soon as there is a new president, if Biden is successful in becoming the president. Uh, and that will be the end of the investigation. The special prosecutor, on the other hand, carries with it a different connotation. And I would like very much to see a special prosecutor investigating the Hunter Biden case uh, and then let uh, President Joe Biden be put in the unenviable position of having to fire the special prosecutor and take all the heat that is attendant with a decision like that when it's plain that he's only firing him to save his, his own son's hide, and by extension, his hide, because his son was just simply an extension of himself. He was sent into these areas to make these lucrative business deals and get these contracts because he was selling access to his father, and his father was very, very well compensated for that. So there definitely does need to be a special prosecutor uh, installed to check the Bidens and keep them in order. Now, what's got me a little bit PO'd today is an article I've read in the Times here, the Epic Times I'm referring to, uh, where they're quoting a career in intelligence officials and a career intelligence officer and other people form a government service. And it's really about the politicization of intelligence. Now, I've spoken to you before on this show about the fact that in September of 2018, Donald Trump issued an executive order which gave him broad powers in the event of foreign interference in our election. And there was clearly foreign interference here. We said the other day that the mainstream media is going to continue to parrot the phrase, no no fraud, no fraud, no evidence of fraud, nothing to see here, nothing to see here, and President-elect Biden, President-elect Biden, until they're blue in the faces, until they bludgeon you into believing that that's true. But it's not true. There's been considerable amount of evidence presented at these state hearings, and that is why these state legislatures have gone to the extraordinary step in not one, not two, not three, not four, but six, I think seven states now, and have seated duplicate uh, electors 
to have those votes unsealed in January by the Congress, and those uh, electors that were seated by the governor or the secretary of state are going to be challenged by members of Congress in an attempt to um, have the presidency remain with Donald Trump. But we have here da uh, Daniel Radcliffe, uh, Radcliffe. He's the director of national intelligence. Now, all of the intelligence agencies uh, coordinate and report to him. And he was notified, according to this article, by career intelligence officials on the 16th of December that the, the intelligence community was unable to meet the December 18th deadline set by the aforementioned executive order that President Trump had written. And there's no reason for this. It shouldn't be delayed. I understand new information is coming in, but a partial report should have been made available. Now, they say that the delay was due to the intelligence community receiving relevant new information since the election and the fact that a number of agencies have not finished coordinating on the project. Now, Bart Marceau, uh, who's the former Principal Deputy Assistant Secretary of Energy for Policy and International Affairs under the Bush administration, was quoted as saying that I think that's dishonesty on the part of the bureaucrats inside the intelligence community. I've never known the intelligence community to say to a president or even to a deputy assistant secretary that we don't have sufficient information to answer your question. They would say we don't have complete information, but here is our report based on the information that we have at this time. And he comes to the same conclusion that I and other people have come to, because it's as plain as the nose on your face, and he said the only conclusion he can draw from all this is that the intelligence community is purposely stonewalling assessments and reports on foreign interference in this year's election for political reasons. Quote, slow rolling this, stalling it, so that this report cannot form the basis of an appeal to the Supreme Court or to state legislatures or to the Congress to disregard the Electoral College outcome as reported by the disputed states. And let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen, and I'm putting it online right here. There may be something to this as to why it may not be able to be ready by the 18th, which was uh, three days ago. But if this thing isn't done at least a week or at least five days before the 6th of January, when this battle is going to take place in the House of, of, uh, of Congress, the, uh, the lower chamber and the upper chamber, you can definitely assume that there was a conspiracy here, that somebody, the deep state and government is trying to make sure that there's no way that the president can challenge these things. Because the closer and closer it gets to the 20th, the less and less likely anybody's going to be persuaded to hear anything. And this, the president should have access to this information and they should mandate it right now. You should give him whatever he's got so he can go to the court with it. The dominant theme, according to Marceau, is that the bureaucrats that are permanent employees of the government have spent the last four years ignoring the authority of the elected president. It's ironic because Biden, in my opinion, is very responsive to the needs, the wishes, and the demands of the Chinese Communist Party. The 2018 executive order stipulates that the information provided to the president doesn't have to come from an official ODNI report, and that the heads of agencies or any other appropriate official can submit their information to the president at any time. The order directs the U.S. government to impose automatic sanctions on foreign nations, individuals, and entities who are found to be involved 
in attempts to interfere in the U.S. elections. So there's no ambiguity here. This thing is broad. Now, Gary Bernstein, who's a former CIA senior operations officer and chief of station, noted how back in 2016, many experts were sounding the alarm on foreign interference in elections and of other voter fraud allegations. You've heard it. You, you remember. You heard them all. Uh, you know, Russia, there was Russian interference, no evidence, 30-some-odd million dollars, a special prosecutor, two years of investigation, impeachment, no evidence, just a lot of noise. And the silence now is deafening from these same people. Bernstein is quoting, this is a national disgrace, he told the Epic Times. It's so very, very unfortunate. It's heartbreaking for the country because it puts us on a path for serious internal division. He said, the problem, Bernstein says, that the Trump campaign and his attorneys only had about 15 to 20 days to uncover the fraud and manipulation in the election, something the national security apparatus didn't look into over the last 15 to 20 years. And this guy apparently was well thought of when he was in government. Mr. Bernstein is the recipient of the Distinguished Intelligence Medal and the Intelligence Star, and he is best known for having led CIA officers in the seizure of Kabul in Afghanistan and was the architect of the Battle of Tora Bora. The result of the 2020 election, he goes on to say, is still in question, since there are legal cases available. There are witnesses, sources, and now we've seen the first reports from the technical side. For anyone to contradict that is foolish. Would it be required to have 800 communist Cubans parachute into Michigan and all those cities? That's what the people want for evidence, he added. We need a couple of brigades of communists to parachute into the United States, and even if they did that, it would still, dis- still be disputed. I've been saying this all along. They want a smoking gun. But even though he just said to contradict it is foolish, there are plenty of foolish people. There are no limit of foolish people, and some of these foolish people are coming from what otherwise would have been considered conservative stalwarts who could be uh, relied upon to defend conservatism and Republican presidents, notably National Review. Now, I'm going to single out National Review today for a very simple reason. If you go on to our website, nationalpreviewonline.com, or if you go on to our Facebook page, you will find uh, exactly why I'm singling out National Review. Singling out National Review because we formed National Preview Online to supplant National Review. National Review was the standard bearer. It was great when it came out. It was the brainchild of the late, great William F. Buckley Jr. But unfortunately, since that good man left us back in 2008, National Review has lost its way. And it has become a pathetic excuse for a conservative periodical. They are never-Trumpers. They are pathetic. They are disgusting now. Things that they have supposedly espoused and were for for decades, now that Trump is implementing them, all of a sudden, it's no good. They're never-Trumpers. There's one chap by the name of Dan McLaughlin. He's one of the, I think, senior editors over there, wrote the election, uh, election piece called It Must Have Been Stolen. How can you spot a stolen election? Maybe just as important, how can you spot an election that isn't stolen? He goes on and on and on. He says, given the absence of evidence of election fraud of a size sufficient to alter the result, 
Trump supporters who believe the election was stolen have fallen back on the most amorphous category, anomalous results. This election, we are told, doesn't make sense. The problem is, it does. No, it doesn't, Mr. McLaughlin. It only makes sense to schmucks like you. What do you call it when you see people taking ballots, hundreds, thousand plus, from suitcases out from under a table after everyone else is sent home, and it's on videotape? What do we call that? Nothing? We just call it nothing? What do we call 40,000 people in Nevada voting twice when the margin of victory is about 12,000? Do we call that nothing? Do we call 100,000 votes taken out of suitcases nothing in the state of Georgia when we know that the margin of victory is 12,000 votes? This is all nothing? And the other thing is, it's not just anomalous results. The laws of mathematics are immutable. They are in effect 100% of the time, and they can't be changed. 2 plus 2 always equals 4. And when 2 plus 2 has to equal 10 in order for what happened to have happened, then it didn't happen. It's fraud. I'm sorry if that upsets you, but it's fraud. And you jumping on the bandwagon with all the leftist piece of garbage trying to say that there's no evidence, you're just kidding yourselves because there's 73 million of us that know it's true. And we're not all dumb white hicks, and you're not the only smart one in the ring. I know you may think you are. William F. Buckley was brilliant. You are an ass. Continuing on with our searing report, what does this all mean? Well, we have more still in our article. In addition to Mr. Bernstein, we have some statements here from, uh, I think, Rick Grinnell. Let me just find it for you here. Yes, Richard Grinnell, former director of national intelligence. He told Fox News, both the United States and the international community have failed to recognize China as a clear and present danger. Well, that's obvious. But President Trump has. That's why he's been very tough on them in the trade wars. In a December 3rd op-ed published in the Wall Street Journal, which we no longer subscribe to because they too have left the reservation, Ratcliffe, the current DNI, said the Chinese Communist Party poses the greatest threat to America today and the greatest threat to democracy and freedom worldwide since World War II. And I believe that Mr. Ratcliffe meant that and believed it when he said it, which makes me wonder why he doesn't light a fire under the asses of the people in the intelligence community and tell them to give him something now. He needs something because the president needs something now. The intelligence is clear. He states, Beijing intends to dominate the U.S. and the rest of the planet economically, militarily, technologically. Many of China's major public initiatives and prominent companies offer only a layer of camouflage to the activities of the Chinese Communist Party. Now, this this just boggles the mind, but it's, it's absolute truth. China is a long player. As far back as World War II, when they first emerged in 1949, just after the war, during Korea, when they interfered in the Korean War, Douglas MacArthur told President John F. Kennedy, when he met with him at his suite in the Waldorf Astoria long after he had retired, 
and Kennedy was fascinated by MacArthur. He originally decided to pay a respectful token visit out of curiosity the first time he had to travel to New York and stayed in the Waldorf, as presidents did at that time. And since the general only lived a few floors away, he figured he'd pay his respects and say hello. And they quickly couldn't get him away from MacArthur. He was fascinated by MacArthur. And MacArthur told him that the true threat to the future of American power and sovereignty is going to be China, not Russia. MacArthur had spent a good 30 years of his life in the Far East, and he knew the Far East mentality, and he knew the patience of the Asian mindset. He was very prescient in his predictions. And our troubles are not going away. Now, Sidney Powell, who's been initiating a lot of these actions on the aforementioned fraud that I had spoken about earlier, and that I've been speaking about all along, uh, she has said that given the level of foreign interfer interference that we can demonstrate, and the country has evidence of in our filings of foreign interference in the election, it is more than sufficient to trigger the president's executive order from 2018 that gives him all kinds of power to do everything from freeze assets to seize assets and demand the impoundment of all of the voting machines. Now, Sidney Powell is a former prosecutor. She speaks ostensibly with great authority. So if she says she has the evidence, she has it, and she's not one that has ever made statements that she can't back up. She did a great job for General Flynn. Uh, what she did for him was essentially legendary. So you, you can't sell Sidney Powell short. I certainly don't. But the, you know, when you look at all this, when you look at the mathematical things, I'm not going to keep reiterating it because I don't want to bore people. It's all in my previous podcast. You, I invite you all to go back. I mean, I, I give ourselves a pat on the back. You know, when you start a podcast, most people quit after seven episodes. I'm proud to announce that on Saturday when we did our episode, that was our 70th episode. Today is our 71st. So I don't want to keep going over the same real estate. But we've discussed the mathematical evidence. We've discussed the voting anomalies. We, we discussed what is essentially mathematically impossible. And when the mathematically impossible has to have happened in order for something else to have happened, it couldn't, the other thing that happened can't happen because mathematics can't be violated. The laws of mathematics are the laws of mathematics. And you can go back and look at it. But from a practical standpoint, where does this leave all of us? What does this all mean? Well, it means effectively that all of the ground rules that have usually governed contests like this and oscillations in our political power structure, the ebb and flow, and the pendulum, they've all changed. Institutions that were once reliable stalwarts like National Review, they're gone. They can't be relied on anymore. That treasonous Bill Crystal, that piece of garbage who ran the now defunct Weekly Standard, gone. Can't be relied on. If President Trump is not successful in remaining in office, the situation becomes extremely grave because, in my opinion, the only way that he can't be successful in light of all that has come out about, out about this election fraud is if he is sabotaged from within and the Republicans have failed to strenuously come to his aid. In that event, we have no alternative other than to launch a third party and I mean in earnest, because it means 
that the Republican Party has outlived its usefulness and it is no longer going to be an effective vehicle going forward for us to take on the people we need to take on, which is the Democratic Party and the Chinese Communist Party. And let's just come out and say it. The goddamn Democratic Party and the Communist Chinese Party are about one and the same. There are no more moderate Democrats. They're all radical lunatics. And I don't understand what this love affair is with the Democratic Party to begin with. How they became to be the party of the minorities. They hated minorities. I encourage you African Americans who don't know about history. Uh, I mean, a lot of you have, have seen the light. You came to Trump's aid. You voted for Trump this time. But do your history. The party of the Ku Klux Klan, the party of slavery, all the Democrats. Yeah, they love to give you welfare. They want to keep you dependent and stupid. You're an economic slave as long as you're taking their hand out. Democratic Party is evil. It's evil. It's completely devoid of any shred of decency. In addition to launching the third party, the last thing that needs to be done, in addition to what I've said all along, which is we have to boycott all businesses, news outlets, or whatever that don't support our position, use our rather potent 73 million strong economic power. But Donald Trump, whether he stays in and does it after, or his family does it for him while he's in, or whether he doesn't remain president and does it right away. But the Trump family must form their own media empire to counteract the fake news and fill the void now left by the devolution into mediocrity of Fox News. That is the beginning of the way forward. More on that in due course as we continue with our future podcast. For National Preview Online, I'm Jamie Dury. Thank you.